Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Today I'm joined by Hannah. Hannah is actually a teacher, and uh, today we're going to be discussing um, her thoughts and just um, her experience with remote learning. But again, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you just give like a, a quick high-level overview of, of who you are and um, what you're doing? And um, well, you were homeschooled, obviously, so you can say that as well. <laughs> yeah, um, so I was homeschooled and then went to Colorado Christian University for um, a double bachelor's in music and history. Um, and I just finished my Master of Divinity from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, and during my time at seminary, I've also been a teacher um, for Highlands Latin School in Louisville, Kentucky. It's a private, classical, Christian, traditional um, school, K-12. Um, and in a semester, I'm also going to be starting PhD work at Southern as well. Um, so yeah, that's me. Awesome. Great. Great. Well, well, I've been getting a lot of questions about remote learning. And uh, like I said to you before, I... I feel like I have no authority to speak on that. Number one, um, I don't have kids that are in school <laughs> at all. I've experienced that. And number two is like, I'm not a teacher. Um, so all, all I can really advise or anything I can offer is just secondhand knowledge or secondhand information. So I thought that it would be great to sit down with you and, and um, have people learn from your perspective. But before we get into that, to that real quick, can you give a brief overview of like, what is classical? What is a classical education? You see, you teach at a classical school. What is that? Yeah. Um, so classical education is the idea of kind of going back to what the kind of education that was done really all the way up until the 1940s or 50s. Um, so the idea of learning from um, the type of education that was done even in the Middle Ages. So that involves things like learning Latin. Um, and also like reading the great works of classical literature. Um, so whether that's Greek myths or um, the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Aeneid, um, classical history, the cultures of Greek and Rome, Greece and Rome, um, and then also focusing on um, mathematics um, as an important kind of core to the learning. So Latin and math being like the two central kind of cores um, to learning. And then now, more recently, we add some kind of classical works of English literature, like Shakespeare um, and other things. But it's just a really rigorous form of learning and based on the idea that um, what has been done since the Middle Ages is a good form of education. Awesome. Well, thanks for that. Um, now, can you, can you share with us, I guess, your experience of remote learning? How long did you do it? When did you do it? Was it the start of the pandemic? Are you, are you still doing it today? Yeah, um, so my experience with remote learning, um, I was primarily during the start of the pandemic when everyone was doing remote learning. Um, so HLS, just like everyone else, um, had to close um, starting the middle of March 2020. Um, and we um, did um, remote learning through Zoom. We did basically full days of classes. Um, we shortened our classes by 10 minutes. So rather than an hour and 10 minutes, we only had 60 minutes. Um, for each class, but at least our high school students um, did full days of regular classes over Zoom. Um, and then we also for, I think it was three days in December of 2020, were remote um, as well, just trying to figure out some things with some legal things that you might have heard about and with the state of Kentucky that were involved there. Um, I've also done some teaching um, in a regular classroom with students on zoom on an ipad or a, um, another device 
So you're saying that you had some students in the classroom with you and then some students remote? Yes. So even up to like even Friday when I taught, I had one student um, who was on an iPad because he was ill, but not so ill as not to come to school. Um, So the rest of the students were in the classroom, um, but I had one who was on Zoom. Okay. Before we continue, the best way to support the homeschool effect is to head on over to patreon.com slash homeschool effect and become a patron. Patrons get access to extra content that might not get added into the final episode. They get to participate in giveaways that are exclusively only for patrons. Uh, They get access to merch, depending on what tier you are. You can get stickers, t-shirts, or mugs. Top tier platinum patrons get shoutouts on the show. And of course, all patrons receive our unyielding gratitude. The show is not free to make, so your support is much appreciated. Got it. Well, I'm going to ask the the golden question then, like, do you think your students perform better at home or do you think that it was uh, better when they were they were uh, in the classroom? Um, I think that really depends. I mean, overall, I would say, yes, it's better in the classroom, um, at least with my experience. But the degree to which it is better depends a lot on what the setting looks like. Um, so when I have some kids in the classroom and some kids on Zoom um, learning remotely, um, it is far and away the students in the classroom do far better than the students on Zoom. Um, and part of that is just through the demands of the classroom, I have more attention to give to the students in the classroom than I do to the students who are on Zoom. Um, but when everyone was on Zoom, I think the, the deficit was less um, because just as a teacher, I had more attention to spare um, for the student, like for I could communicate more attention to each student versus now um, there's just no way to pay as much as the attention to this, the two students or whatever on Zoom as I as to the other students who are in the physical classroom with me. Gotcha. That, that, totally, that totally makes sense, as, as, as I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's something you shared with me a little while ago before we before we started the interview was that you said your students actually performed um, better than average weren't learning remotely than I guess than America as a whole. Why do you think that is? And what, what tendencies do you think uh, attributed to that? Yeah. So I think from what I've seen in my conversations with other teachers um, during the pandemic, I think the students who um, had closest to the experience that they would normally have in school did better than the students who were kind of jolted out of our routine. So our students, performed, I mean, my students in my class did almost the same level of work and the same amount of work for sure um, as they would have had we been in regular school. Um, And part of that's just because we had a normal day of classes. And while it was on Zoom and it was really exhausting and certainly students paid less attention because they had the ability to have their phones and other things like they aren't allowed to in a regular classroom, um, that routine of getting up in the morning putting on their uniforms, or at least the top half of their uniforms, and sitting in classes um, with that some aspect of togetherness and some aspect of um, like stability and routine and those sorts of things really, really helped the students. Whereas I heard from other teachers who couldn't get their students to turn in even like one or two homework assignments. Um, They were really like significantly decreasing the difficulty of the things they were expecting and the students still weren't able to do those things. For my students, we're doing the same sorts of things that they would be doing um, in a regular classroom setting. Gotcha. And I think a large part of that was that that structure that was still there for them. Okay. 
you think part of that is, well, talk to me about your classroom size. Would you say it's the normal size as a public school or is it a little bit smaller? No, it's significantly smaller. So during the um, during the pandemic itself, when we were doing total remote learning, um, I had three different sections of 14 students each. Um, now I teach um, one section of 19 and one section of 20. Um, and last year I had three sections of 15 each. Okay. So significantly, gotcha. in some cases, half or less than a regular classroom teacher would be. I think they usually run... 25 30 occasionally up to 40 um, okay. which does make a significant difference yeah uh, i can imagine <laughs> I, yeah. I bet that is i bet that's true um, i can't imagine teaching 40 students at a time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a lot for sure in terms of I, i'm making probably like a, a really gross generalization here but you think that in terms of a private school where someone's actually paying for their kids to go there you think that they would be more, a little bit more attentive and making sure their kids are doing their work at home, uh, remote learning yeah. versus a public school? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Um, both because, um, yeah, they are paying that money to send their student there. Um, at HLS, we are, especially in the high school, we're pretty selective um, because the students who come in at high school are coming into the classroom as students who've done things like Latin since the second grade, and that requires a lot of commitment. Um, we also at HLS, um, if a student is on academic probation, which is having a GPA of a C or less for more than one trimester in a row, um, or so two trimesters in a row, that student um, is not allowed to stay at HLS. That's not because we kick out students who do poorly, um, but because like during that second trimester, we would be really pouring into that student and like seeking to help them flourish. And if they still aren't flourishing, like that tells us that that student isn't like isn't succeeding and that this might be the not the best place for that student because they aren't like that it, it just isn't they aren't dealing very well with the community and with the work and the things that we're expecting them to do um and so i think between those two things like the expectations of the students being higher but also the expectations of the parents being higher i think makes a significant difference in that commitment level versus just the public school which has to take whatever students like come to it and there's no um, monetary commitment behind it. Right, right. Okay, and that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, what kind of... I'm going to ask this question instead. Yeah. <laughs> your, your mom is doing remote learning or has been doing remote learning as well um, at Summit, which is actually, why don't you explain what Summit is? Because um, it's, not, it's not technically a school, but it's more than a co-op as well. Yeah, so Summit is... Um, a program where um, it's run through the public schools as a part-time school, and so they receive funding through the public school um, under the umbrella of a charter school um, in Colorado um, that allows for um, mostly homeschool students to come and take courses um, one day a week there. Um, so the younger students take just kind of enrichment courses, so like science activities or reading activities or um, like talking about handling money or that sort of thing. So my mom teaches some Spanish classes and some classes on study skills and classes on handling money. And then the high school students can take more academic level classes, um, but still just that one day a week. Gotcha. Thanks for that. And what was her experience with remote learning? Um, she had a really challenging time with remote learning, even with students that were already homeschooled. Um, they, her students had a really hard time 
um, like feeling like the work was too much and was more than they could handle. Um, and she did have a lot of students who weren't turning in work and weren't accessing the things that she gave them to do. Um, she very occasionally could have Zoom meetings with her students, but mostly it was just posting and sending out homework assignments and expecting them to send them back to her. Um, and she just, the students really, really struggled even to complete the um, significantly reduced loads of work that she was giving them. Um, gotcha. So what do you think the differences challenging. were? What do you think the differences um, were between, uh, I guess, Summit and, and your school or your experience? I think the biggest thing was that those students, even though it was only one day a week or um, I think she was at that time at a school that met two days a week as well. Um, but even if it was only um, one or two days a week, just that lack of even that much structure um, and things like having their dad home and having him have to deal with all those things and the mom maybe having older students that would usually be sent to school um, and just that stress levels of the parents and that sort of thing. Um, life didn't feel the same for them versus for my students, like even though it was weird and life was stressful um, and I know they did still have some struggles and some other subjects, they did still like, I still saw them every day. Like I usually would, they still were busy and had something to do all day, every day versus just their whole structure and their whole lives being completely decimated and ripped apart. Like, because of the challenges that I think my mom's students were having um, without that structure, that like something to get up in the morning for um, emotionally, they were having a lot more struggles than my students were who had that like sense of solidity, um, something that felt at least moderately normal, even if it wasn't completely normal. Um, I think that really helped them be able to still handle the academic work just emotionally, whereas my mom's students couldn't do that in the same way. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, that sounds, first of all, two different experiences. <laughs> Number <Yeah>. one, <laughs> that sounds challenging to, to try to educate people that are just, that have no structure as well. That could be very yeah. challenging. I mean, it's challenging to do anything with that structure. <laughs> Absolutely. Or learn. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us struggled with that during the pandemic, just the yeah. structure being exploded. Yeah. Um, and I know I did better as an adult with those like same Zoom meetings, like having to get up in the morning and teach and those things than I would have if I hadn't had that as well. <laughs> We're going to pretend that you're in charge of all education in, in America. Do you think remote learning is sustainable? Um, I think that really depends on the type of remote learning you're talking, talking about and the commitment of the parents. Um, the sort of remote learning that I think a lot of the, the schools that have been doing, the kind of non-traditional instruction, the NTI, that sort of thing, um, like that's just only sustainable in families where the parent is really committed to doing that sort of thing. If you send a student just an assignment with no guidance, um, unless the parent is willing to walk alongside that student, um, I think that student's going to really have a, a hard time, unless you're talking about a high school student who's been homeschooled and is used to doing that kind of work on their own, has that sort of um, capability of doing that sort of thing and has learned to be self-motivated. Um, but without that, I don't think that style of remote learning is workable. I think it's possible um, that, um, that something more like what we did, where we were still full days in classes, I think that's more sustainable. 
um, but also much less practicable in terms of like families having that many devices for their students to be handling that sort of thing. And even there, there's a level of commitment of the parents to make sure that the students were like getting on. I did have a few students who would like have their camera pointing at the ceiling and definitely be sleeping during my class. That was definitely not the majority. It was maybe two or three um, of my students. And I did have one that just totally completely tanked um, in the work that, that the student was doing during that. Um, and I think a lot of that is really just were the parents paying attention. Um, so even there, it requires some parent intervention. Um, that's a little bit better, but I don't know that that's workable for all students well that's a that's a good answer <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you know i don't think the answer is yes i don't think the answer is no um but yeah i think just level of supervision i think is also super important um you know not everyone is super mature in high school and not everyone you know i think some people can definitely do it but some people definitely need to be watched and make sure they're not you know, they have the Zoom camera or the Zoom on, but like they're, they have another yeah. tab open. They're just playing games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, definitely. Now, during when the pandemic started, um, a lot of people were doing remote learning. And uh, <laughs> a lot of these parents online were saying, hey, we're homeschooling now. We're homeschooling. <laughs> you know, as a teacher, as a, as a homeschool graduate and as a teacher, is, is remote learning from public school or private school, would you consider that to be homeschooling? Um, I think it totally depends on the style of remote learning. I think the things that a lot of parents were doing, um, even the sorts of things that like my mom was sending home or was like, here's an assignment, take care of that and then send it back to me and maybe, or maybe I'll send you a video. That I think is homeschooling. Like the things that parents were having to do, like work through math worksheets with their children, um, work through those writing assignments, like you're doing that, yes, you are homeschooling. Um, what my students were doing, I wouldn't call that homeschooling because they're still sitting like in a classroom with me, giving them that oversight, basically doing things just as if they were in the classroom, only we're all in separate rooms, in separate buildings and houses across the city rather than in one classroom. But other than that, I, I wouldn't call that homeschooling because, um, yeah, I mean, they were still being taught by me, that sort of thing. The parents weren't having that involvement. But absolutely, I think in a lot of cases, the parents who were doing that, um, who were being a lot, having to be a lot more active. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of um, if you're still getting your education from a teacher that's teaching 30 to 40 students, or in your case, uh, 15, <laughs> you know, it's really not personal education. Um, it's just education at home from the, mm -hmm. from the public or private school. But I totally, yeah, I don't think that's homeschooling. Um, I think like, I would say like based off that last question, um, if parents are thinking about like the homeschooling task and what that looks like, um, I think this is what we like have learned and seen in NPI, um, and the different types of remote learning that are done is that, that there are a lot more options for schooling. Um, and I hope that it gives like hope for parents of like who have been homeschooling. Like if they could handle the sort of the teacher sends out an assignment and you walk your kid through all of it, like you can handle homeschooling. You can do that. Um, but also like there are a lot of like options in between that. I had friends who growing up did something similar to what I did with my students through like online school. Um, and 
if the parent's willing to stay involved and do the things like my, my parents were doing for my, my students, um, it is workable. Um, and I think I just hope that parents can see like there's a lot of options that if they're willing to put in the commitment, like in time, like they can handle that and do what's best for their student in that way. Awesome. Well, that is a piece of, piece of encouraging advice. You know, I hope anyone that's listening to this knows that you can homeschool if, if you're able to help your kids through your homework, even if you need to Google some things to refresh <laughs> your memory. <laughs> it's definitely doable. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Nice to see you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Homeschool Effect. If you did enjoy it, please share it with your friends, family. Word of mouth is the best way to get the show around. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. 